Hi, and welcome to This Day and Age, a podcast where we bring together experts in all things aging from Holland Home, Faith Hospice, and Atrio Home Care to give you important information needed to help you and your loved ones make confident decisions while navigating life's journeys. I'm Phil Tower. It's a pleasure in this episode to be joined by Dr. Michael Dozman. Dr. Dozman is a hospice and palliative care physician with Faith Hospice, and he's here to talk about the philosophy of hospice care, as well as to dispel some very common misconceptions about hospice and palliative care. Dr. Dozman, thank you for joining me. Yeah, good morning, Phil. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you are here because this is an area when we're talking about optimal quality of life, especially at the end of life, you battle a lot of misconceptions and people who have had these misconceptions, maybe for most of their life. So you have to calmly reassure them of what this process is. But I am curious, as I'm sure many people listening to us are, as a doctor who specializes in hospice and palliative care, what kind of tools, what kind of training do you bring to the table that a general practitioner or other doctor does not have? Yeah, great question. So um, hospice and palliative care, uh, there's a fellowship that you can do after residency. So kind of like a cardiologist, gastroenterologist, um, you know, it is his own specialty where you get additional training that myself and a number of other physicians with Faith Hospice have undergone. This gives you the opportunity to learn a lot more of the nuances and symptom management that somebody who has not gone through fellowship uh, may know. And this training is training that I, I know is obviously updated as is science and new discoveries help us learn more about this end of life process. But I mean, this really arms you with the latest information to really make great decisions as a physician and to empower that person going through the end of life process and their family in making those decisions, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, we're kind of the experts in terms of symptom management. You know, a lot of different stuff can come up at the end of life as people are dealing with life-limiting diseases. Uh, we have a lot of experience helping people feel as good as possible every day. We're there to walk with you. Uh, you know, this can be a really difficult journey for people. And, you know, we've walked it with a lot of patients in the past, and I think it gives us kind of a unique ability and expertise to help patients who are just starting on this journey. That whole word hospice conjures up dozens of thoughts, concerns, probably 31 and a half emotions. When you explain hospice and the whole philosophy of it to someone sitting across from you, maybe it's a husband and wife, walk us through how you have that conversation. Yeah. So if there's one point I would want the listeners uh, to take away from today's podcast is Hospice focuses on maximizing life, not just death. I think anytime somebody has a disease that is not curable and is life-limiting, they should consider hospice. The goal of hospice that I tell you know all of my patients you know that I'm meeting for the first time that we're kind of having these goals of care discussions is, you know, I want each day to be as good as it can possibly be. I'm not going to do anything to extend your life. I'm not going to continue treating your disease, but I'm going to be treating your symptoms and help relieve pain or trouble breathing or nausea or you name it, whatever that person may be experiencing with the goal of 
the best quality of life possible for whatever amount of time that may be. Okay, so the tough question is when that person looks at you and says, Dr. Dozman, I'm, I'm not dying. Or maybe they're having a hard time just accepting that. They mm-hmm. hear it. They're trying to process it. Do you encounter that a fair amount? Absolutely. Um, I think there is a stigma around hospice that, you know, it's called in when you're in the last couple days of life. You know, hey, I'm imminently dying. Let's call in hospice mm-hmm. and go home. The only criteria for hospice is that two doctors look at a patient and say, you know what, this person might not be alive in six months. There are kind of disease-specific criteria, but that is the only hard and fast rule. Two doctors say six months or less. The hospice benefit does not run out at six months. I have had patients on hospice for years. And obviously, we have to be able to justify that. But I tell a lot of patients that when we talk about hospice, I know it is a scary word. It's a scary thing to think about. But I'm not telling you that you're going to be dying in two days. You know, you may have a long time left. But let's let's talk about what you want that time to look like and how we can help you make the most of that time. Is there probably a most commonly misunderstood aspect of this whole hospice philosophy and process? I think a lot of people think it's, you know what, let's stop all your medications, go home, start some morphine, and you're going to die in a couple of days. Right. You know, any decision that we make is through that lens of, is this going to help promote comfort and quality of life? A lot of patients stay on most of their medications. We may get rid of ones that we say, eh, this isn't really helping you Mm -hmm. at this point. So let's minimize how many pills you have to take. Mm -hmm. There's people who aren't experiencing pain or trouble breathing where something like morphine may be beneficial. You know, but anything we do, you know, nothing is going to hasten a person's decline. You know, some medications that we use are going to be at doses that are safe and are purely to treat symptoms. And I think the thing that probably is most frustrating for you as a physician, and uh, for full disclosure, you and I had this conversation before we started this podcast conversation, and that is some people just wait too long, and they don't get to control that end-of-life process because of the fears or putting it off. You see that quite a bit, and as I understand, you have statistics to back that up as well. Yeah, there's been a lot of research into this topic. The last data that I've seen is from 2018, but at that point, only about half of Medicare enrollees were on hospice at the time of death. The median length of stay was only about 18 days. So again, going back to the criteria, six months or less, but most people are only on for 18 days, and only half of people who you know, would have been eligible at the time of death. So it is certainly a underutilized service. There's a lot of studies looking at, you know, patients' quality of life and satisfaction with care, hmm. you know, at the end of life. And people who are under hospice care tend to have much higher scores when it comes to you know, satisfaction at the end of life, having their symptoms controlled, being able to... Um, you know, have more control over their life, enjoy strong social connections, things that everybody would want. It tends to go much smoother for people when they are under the care of hospice services Mm -hmm. than if they're not. And almost always, Dr. Dozman, this involves being 
in a home setting where, whenever possible. So hospice was originally developed as a service to help people stay at home, to be able to pass within their own homes. You know, on my hospice team, I would say it's probably a 50-50 split between patients who are in their own homes and patients who are in you know, an assisted living or a skilled nursing sure. setting. And obviously there's a lot of factors playing into that, you know, a patient's support system and, you know, why they're in an assisted living or a skilled nursing place to begin with. But yeah, that is certainly the goal is to help provide support for a patient to stay in their home through the end of life. You addressed a very important issue when determining whether a patient should enter hospice. And you had mentioned there are two doctors that sign off on this process and say, yes, he or she is a candidate for entering hospice care. But I want to, if you could, help our listeners, help me understand the physical symptoms that you're looking for, some of the other indicators that you're looking for in that assessment. So obviously we're dealing with a wide range of illnesses that people may be experiencing. Um, You know, some are very cut and dry, whether it's uh, metastatic cancer for which there's no more treatment available or, you know, an end stage COPD where people are on, you know, high levels of oxygen and still can barely function. Things that are quite cut and dry. There's things that are a little more subjective, um, things like dementia or heart failure, mm. where, yeah, maybe you're looking at the overall functional abilities. You know, is this person still able to get dressed and take a shower and go to the bathroom on their own, make meals? You know, are they able to walk? Are they able to talk? Are, you know, so there's a lot of a lot of things that go into deciding or helping support that decision of, yeah, we think this person has six months to live or less. You know, are they eating? Are they losing weight? Um, are they having recurrent infections? Yeah, it, it can be kind of specific to whatever disease entity that patient is dealing with. But yeah, that, that's some of the things that we look at. Yeah. We're speaking with Dr. Michael Dozman on this day and age as we talk about quality of life at the end of life. I really appreciated how you have explained this process. Yet I know that you encounter a whole spectrum of people, some who are really ready to embrace this and are all in. And you just say, dear Lord, why can't I have more patience like this? And then who's (laughs) stubborn and unwilling to accept where they are. And I know there are people listening right now who have that anxiety about mom and dad, or maybe they have someone who they know may be near that process. What words of wisdom would you give to that family member listening right now who has that stubborn mom or dad or grandmother or grandfather? You've dealt it. You've dealt with it. You've lived it. Yeah, I have this conversation probably multiple times a day. Mm. Um, And my typical spiel is, you know, I'm not here to talk anybody into anything. You know, I want to make sure that we're doing what's important to a patient. And when you're talking about people who are maybe nearing the end of life, everybody has different goals and different priorities. You know, I meet people who say, I want to live as long as possible, no matter what. You know, I don't care if I got to be in the hospital. I don't care if I got to be in a ventilator. You know, I don't care. Do everything possible to keep me alive every second you can. Mm -hmm. 
I meet people who say, yeah, I'm not happy with my quality of life. I want to do nothing. You know, I'm ready to pass. And there's the full spectrum in between. So a lot of times it's dissecting, you know, what are your goals? When you think about the coming days, weeks, months, maybe years, what's important to you? And, you know, a lot of times when we're sitting down and having these conversations, if patients are telling me, you know, I don't really want to keep going back to the hospital if I get sick, you know, I don't want to be poked and prodded and have tests run and all these medications. And my goal is really, I want to feel as good as possible. I want to stay at home. I want to spend time with my loved ones and say, you know what? You're really describing what the hospice philosophy is all about. And kind of going back to, you know, I know this word hospice is kind of scary at times, but really what you're describing is what hospice is trying to promote and help people do. And I would think, Dr. Dozman, a little bit of reverse psychology probably helps for those control freaks that you're reminding them this is all about control. It is. It is. And when people kind of stop and think about, yeah, well, these are what my goals are and Hospice is going to allow me to have more control over what my day-to-day life looks like and is going to allow me to stay at home. Nobody's going to be shipping me off to the emergency department or the hospital or forcing me to do things that I don't want to do. Yeah, it can be more appealing or, or um, yeah, people understand, okay, this maybe is something that's going to help me achieve what I want to achieve. And then on the other end, you may encounter an adult child or a spouse who, despite the patient's wishes, wants to extend their life. Yeah. Maybe another operation, maybe another type of pharmaceutical, maybe this alternative treatment that we can get in Mexico. I mean, as much as we want to kind of grimace at that, I can respect and I know you can respect the hopes and the wishes and the difficulty of accepting that. How, how do you help mm-hmm. them navigate that? Absolutely. I, I completely understand where people are coming from. It's your loved one, you know, whether it's a spouse or a parent, a sibling, a child. Nobody wants to lose a loved one. And, you know, there is a lot of we want to do whatever we can for this person to be around with us longer. Um. So, so I completely understand when people are, are talking to me about those things. Um, and a lot of times the phrase I hear is, you know, we can't let so-and-so give up. And I think it's helpful to reframe that conversation. You know, your loved one is not giving up. We're simply changing what we're fighting for. Instead of striving to live as long as possible, you know, instead of focusing on that quantity of life, let's focus on that quality of life. You know, your loved one is still fighting. We're just changing what the goals are. Mm -hmm. And it's helpful, you know, sit down in a family setting and to have this conversation and for them to hear what their loved one's wishes are, you know, regardless of what we want for ourselves. I think most people understand, you know, that maybe their loved one's wishes are different. And most people do respect that, you know, after we sit down and have those conversations. As a physician who went through this additional hospice and palliative care training. I would think psychology is some of this as well, too, because you are helping families navigate these issues, sometimes maybe issues they haven't even dealt with them themselves. I, I know that's a challenge. I feel for you in terms of that challenge. But one of the other components 
especially as you, Dr. Dozman, are a physician with Faith Hospice, and this is your area of specialty. This is West Michigan Faith Hospice is, of course, built on a core of faith and Christian faith, and spirituality is a huge role for a lot of people at this point in their life and has been in their whole life. How do you navigate that process with them, and including some people who probably look at you and say, well, no, no, God's going to heal me, or God has said I just need to suffer <laughs> through this because, again, both ends of the spectrum, right? Yeah. West Michigan is certainly a very religious community. Um, I don't know that I could say off the top of my head what percentage of patients uh, would be uh, professing Christians, but I think there is a strong, you know, belief in God, you know, in a, in a lot of our patients, and yeah, I certainly run across that fairly often. That you know, if if we decide to pursue hospice, you know, that is us doubting God's ability to heal, you know, myself or heal my loved one. My response is typically, you know, whenever it's your time to go, that's in God's hands. And if God chooses to heal you or not heal you, it doesn't matter whether you're here in the hospital getting treatment or whether you decide to go home with hospice. God is not limited by what you decide to do. And, you know, people who have those very strong beliefs, you know, sometimes it's helpful to get, whether it's our faith hospice chaplains involved or whoever their spiritual leader is in the community, and we kind of talk through that further. You know, why why do you believe this? What are kind of the obstacles to pursuing something like hospice? And it certainly is something that comes up fairly often. I know faith hospice has an expertise in this area that is so important and, and so valuable when people begin to try to get their head around this process. I would also assume you welcome people to come into your offices and just start the conversation, right? Certainly. There are people who reach out and just say, yeah, I'm done. I don't want to keep doing aggressive things, and I want to know, is hospice the right right thing for me to pursue? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can always request a free evaluation. Um, you know, a hospice nurse can come out to your home and kind of go through what hospice care might look like and, yeah, to discuss whether somebody would be eligible for hospice services. Dr. Michael Dozman is with us on this day and age. Uh, Dr. Dozman is a hospice and palliative care physician with Faith Hospice. And having that control at the end of life, as we have already established, is really important. It brings peace of mind. It brings probably a little more confidence that you're going to be able to manage this along with your family. And I know you've seen this firsthand. Can you talk about some of the really positive things that happen when you engage hospice properly and early enough? Yeah. So this is another thing that has been studied fairly often, and there's some really good, um, you know, articles from you know, maybe the national, you know, some of the national organizations. People who die in the hospital tend to have the least satisfaction at the end of life. Um, you know, it's not where they want to be and they're not, it's not the things they want to be doing. Mm. People who have been on hospice for at least three days tend to rate, you know, the satisfaction with their care, um, you know, control over their physical symptoms, their emotional well-being, you know, higher than anybody else. So I feel like the patients who are on our service for a couple of months, tend to be the most at peace with things, tend to, 
you know, be the happiest. Um, they have that opportunity to spend time with family and with friends to feel as good as possible. Just yesterday, I feel like a good example of this is, is a patient who kind of on their own reached out to hospice um, mm. and did qualify and enrolled. And this person was telling me about, you know, I, I, I told my friends that, um, you know, I signed on to hospice and it was kind of this, you know, freak out moment, like, you know, oh no, you're going to be gone in the next few days. And this person just laughed and like, you know, I had to tell him nothing's changed. I'm not going anywhere, you know, that soon. I just, you know, my goals and my focus has kind of changed and saw this person at home with their spouse. Kids were there, grandkids were there, and we just kind of sat down and had a, you know, kind of an hour long conversation about what symptoms are you experiencing? What can we do to help improve your quality of life so that you can have as much of this as possible, you know, sitting here enjoying time with family got everybody comfortable with what hospice would look like, what we thought maybe could be coming down the road in terms of changes or symptoms in this person's health. And, you know, I think at the end of it, everybody was very appreciative of kind of that knowledge of, okay, here's maybe what to expect with my loved ones, but also knowing that there are people there to support them through that process. And that person knew that they were also managing this so family members, friends could participate in this part of their life because not a lot of people can get into a hospital or even want to go to a mm -hmm. hospital and visit a family member, a friend. It's just so much easier to be in a home and, and be mm -hmm. there in that process or wherever they may be, even in an assisted living or long-term care facility. It's just so much more control that is involved in that. And you know, Dr. Dozman, a lot of times, and you certainly have shared this with patients, I'm sure, a lot of times we don't get that chance to say goodbye. And I know that life ends in all kinds of different ways, but there's just, there is a comfort in family members being able to celebrate the end of life that way. And I have heard that from people when, when hospice was involved and was a key part of that. And I'm mm -hmm. sure you've heard that as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's certainly a sense of peace that, you know, when you know you have your affairs in order and you've had a chance to to say those goodbyes to loved ones, it it does help provide a calm and a peace to patients when they're able to do that. I can kind of get a sense you enjoy doing this. You really feel called to do this. Is that fair? That is fair. Yeah. I think hospice and palliative care is one of those unique specialties where you're able to do things for patients instead of just to them. You know, really any other specialty is, is a focus on curing disease. I get to focus on what do you want to do? What can I do to make you feel mm -hmm. better? And there's, there's that burden of trying to cure disease that's no longer there. So it gives us a lot more freedom and latitude to be able to treat symptoms that maybe you couldn't do in other settings. You know, and I get to tell patients, you're the boss. Yeah. I'm here to make recommendations, but whatever you want to do is up to you. Uh, however aggressive you want to get with things is up to you. Um, and I don't have to beat them over the head saying, hey, you have to take this medication. <laughs> you have to do this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, there is a sense of freedom. And it's, it's really a, a great opportunity and a privilege to be able to walk with patients and families as they're going through this journey. And you get to build a lot of 
friendships and close relationships. And yeah, it, it can be a difficult time in people's lives, but it's also very rewarding as well. You know, the most obvious thing that people fear about this stage of life is dying. It's going to happen. But I think there's something else. I anticipate there's someone on the other end of this conversation hearing us on this podcast going, but what about the pain? I've heard this from people, just the fear of, I don't want to be in pain. I just want to have a quality of life at the end of my life that doesn't suck. And I know we've come a long way medically in so many areas of medicine. Have we improved this? I mean, this... Absolutely. You know, because people think, okay, you're going to give me morphine. I'm going to be out of it. You're going to give me this medicine. I'm going to be out of it. For those who are listening on the other end of this conversation, what words of reassurance would you give them with respect to pain management? Yeah. I tell a lot of patients who are concerned about this that we have a big toolbox. Rarely are there symptoms that we're unable to control. Maybe not completely eliminate a symptom, but at least get things to a point where patients are relatively comfortable and able to enjoy life. Sometimes it involves things like morphine, but I can't say what percentage off the top of my head, but I would say the majority of patients are never on a medication like that. Again, it kind of goes back to what is your underlying disease and why are you on hospice in the first place? But also there's that freedom too of if a person says, you know what, I would rather deal with a symptom than take such and such a medication, that's their choice. But there is certainly the option, whatever comes up, whatever symptom it is, we have very effective treatments for just about anything that we encounter. And the nice thing about faith hospices is that between our collective group, there is a lot of experience. You know, I'm one of the newer doctors. I've been in here for a couple of years, but some of my partners have been doing this for 30 years. You know, and there's not really anything they haven't encountered, you know, or haven't dealt with. So, you know, I think that experience, um, and again, that additional training, that fellowship training prepares us very well to deal with whatever may come up. And you know, what's beautiful about that is, is your team at Faith Hospice, you have this volume of experience with all these families at hospice and palliative care and that only benefits every new family you serve that is such a cool and powerful thing and i Mm -hmm. hope people listening to that can appreciate that is that you just build on that that means you learn and you grow and the families that are treated down the line they benefit from that care and that experience yeah i think that should be reassuring to patients and to families that you know what? There's nothing new under the sun. Um, <laughs> well and what, said. and what, whatever this patient may be dealing with, guess what? We've had a lot of other patients that are in the exact same shoes you're wearing right now. We know how to deal with this. We know what's coming down the road. You know, And that's not just limited to physicians. I mean, a lot of our nurses have a lot of experience. And yeah, very rarely are we seeing a patient that we say, oh, wow, this is the first time we've ever dealt with this. So yeah, it should give patients a lot of confidence in their care team. I know people listening to us so appreciate hearing you say that and reaffirm that, and I do as well. Dr. Michael Dozman, hospice and palliative care physician with Faith Hospice. What an honor and pleasure it has been having this conversation with you. Thank you, Phil. Thank you for joining us on this day and age. And okay, let's have that conversation, you and me. 
whether you have a loved one who's at this point in their life, maybe in need of hospice services, or maybe you just want to sit down with this guy, Dr. Michael Dozman, or anybody from the Faith Hospice team, Faith Hospice is always there to help and answer those questions and give you peace of mind. A phone call is not a commitment, but that phone call will begin to lessen your anxiety and answer a lot of those questions. So give Faith Hospice a call at 616-235-5113. Again, that's 616-235-5113. And you can have that conversation, as Dr. Dozman talked about, or you can visit their website at faithhospicecare.org. Again, that's faithhospicecare.org. I thank you for listening and for this day and age. Once again, I'm Phil Tower.